let there be light. That's what we're talking about this, uh, this week. And excuse my voice, I have the, the, the fall Texas cold going on like many of you have. So Mindy made me some great tea and I'm going to uh, uh, hope that that helps me through. But let there be light. I want you uh, to think about uh, in Scripture where you've heard that. And obviously it's back in Genesis 1 where it says that the, the earth was dark, it was formless and void. And the, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering. And then uh, the Lord said, let there be light. That was the, the pronouncement made over creation. Let there be light. Well, we get thinking that that was the only time that that took place. And in, in terms of Scripture and, and literal Scripture, that, that's the only place that we have let there be light. But let me uh, reassure you that that wasn't the, the beginning and the end of God's light being revealed into the world. When we say let there be light, we're talking about all through Scripture from the very beginning of time, God continues to reveal Himself. God continues to speak those words, let there be light into every dark place that there ever was or there ever will be. I want you to think about a place that you've been that was dark. That was dark. And I'm not talking spiritual right now. Let's, let's talk physical. Um, I grew up in a city, and uh, at night it would get dark, but uh, we all know that in a city it doesn't ever really get dark. Um, I remember I went camping one time out in the, out in the woods, and it was kind of, oh, this is dark. But you just wait a little while, and your eyes adjust, and you can kind of make your way uh, around. But uh, think of a place, where have you been that is dark? And I mean dark, dark where you couldn't see, where you, you know, as much as you wanted to let your eyes adjust, uh, they wouldn't. Well, um, as many of you know, I was born in Vancouver, Canada. About an hour up the road on the West Coast is a place called Britannia Beach. And in Britannia Beach is an old copper mine. And when I was a kid in elementary school, we went on a field trip up to this copper mine, and we, we uh, went up this, uh, this it was kind of a, an elevator sort of thing, up to the entrance to the, to, the, um, to the mine, and we rode a mine car deep into the mountain. I mean, there's a picture of, uh, it's still running to this day, and uh, this is on their website, and, and you can ride in this mining car down deep into this mine. Well, we got in there, and the, the person who was leading the tour was talking all about the history, and they were talking about the mine and that, and, and then they, they said, I want you just to, to stop for a second, and then they, they turned off all the lights. And there was silence, and there was quiet, and you're waiting for your eyes to adjust. You're waiting, you know, you're blinking and blinking, and you know, you're just kind of, you know, you're kind of nudging your, your buddy next to you. Hey, can you see anything? No, I can't see anything. Can you see anything? And, you know, you're trying all of this, and you're even waving in front of your friends' faces. It, like, your eyes do not adjust. There is no light whatsoever. You could wait a year. Your eyes would not adjust because there's, there's absolutely no light deep in a mind like that. Well, there's some uh, medical professionals that, who, who, and some medical researchers that, that researched um, how our eyes and how our brains function and the need for light. And listen to what they wrote as they, as they started discovering some things. 
This is about the, 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 the light deprivation, and this is what they concluded. In just a couple of hours, we're not talking uh, days, we're not talking, we, they said in just a couple of hours of darkness, in complete darkness they're talking about, your mind will start experiencing auditory and visual hallucinations. Like just by not having light coming into your eyes. This is your mind's way to attempt to compensate for the lack of sensory input from your eyes. Isn't that something? That's how much we need light. We're just physically wired that we need light. Well, this is the picture that Isaiah gives of his time. It's almost a replay of, of creation where it was formless and void and, and God spoke and said, let there be light. These are spiritually dark ages that, that, that Isaiah was speaking into and he was living in. In fact, there was a king named Uzziah. And Uzziah was uh, third in a line of kings who, who started their reigns um, honoring God and, and serving God and doing things that were right. And then over time started turning to their own devices, turning to their own ways, and in fact doing evil in God's eyes. This is the third of three kings. And it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, this was the year that, that Isaiah received a word from the Lord for God's people in Judah, the northern kingdom of Judah. This is the, the setting to which Isaiah speaks. And the interesting thing about it is when Isaiah received this word from the Lord, it wasn't at the bottom, and it was all uphill from there. No, in fact, this was 744 BC, and another 22 years would go on, and in 722 BC was when Judah was taken into exile. And their land completely destroyed. So in fact, when, when the Lord speaks to Isaiah, there's still much more to go on and things will go from bad to worse. They're heading toward exile. It's almost like a, a forest fire has, has raged through this forest and left it destroyed. This is the picture that Isaiah has in his mind. Every time I read this portion of scripture, this is the picture that comes physically to my mind is, is one of a, of a forest fire going through this forest and just leaving it charred. And maybe you've driven through Colorado or Western United States, up in the Pacific Northwest, and you've driven through some areas where there's been, or maybe out in California where there's been some forest fires or some, some some of these uh, wildfires that have gone on, this is what's left behind. Ashes and stumps and, and, and nothing. Everything has been chewed up. And, and in fact, this is what Isaiah is saying, that, that the, the land of Israel is like. This is in fact a picture of God's people, the destruction, the devastation, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the darkness that has come upon them. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 13, just the first part of this. It says, and though a tenth remains in the land, so there's 10% that's left in the land. He's saying this, this is a word from the Lord, it will again be laid waste. So 90% has been destroyed, but you know what, people? Don't count on that 10% being preserved. That 10% is going away too. Even that will be destroyed. You talk about darkness, the gloom. 
the physical and the spiritual devastation and darkness that was upon them at their time. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 8. He goes on and explains and expresses a little bit more of what was going on in, in God's people. In verse 21 of Isaiah chapter 8 says, Distressed and hungry, they will roam. This is the people of God. They will roam through the land. And when they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Talk about the darkest of dark. Last week we read a, a verse, a number of verses out of Isaiah 59. It says they will look for light but only find darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. We grope like blind along a wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. Even at the brightest noontime. This is Isaiah talking about the people of God. They will stumble as though it were dark among the living. They're like the dead. And I can't emphasize this enough. And just as I was thinking about this and praying about this, this wasn't just in Isaiah's time. You don't have to look far. You don't have to leave the TV news on very long to find out that the world we live in, the community we live in, the society we live in today is dark, full of gloom, full of despair, full of brokenness. You don't need much more evidence than just a casual look around you. We experience darkness. People in our community experience darkness. As I mentioned last week, I think oftentimes we think of darkness and we think of, of that. We think of evil and horror, satanic activity. And yes, it certainly encompasses and includes that. But evil has a much subtler way. And darkness has a much subtler way of infringing into our areas of peace. You think of violence and abuse that's all around us. Hatred and animosity. Death. Illness. Think of cancer. Our bodies not functioning the way they should. Think of finances. I don't think we have to Go too far to find someone, maybe even on our own bank account, where finances are a struggle and an area of great concern. Relationships, friends and family members, broken relationships, those friendships that don't work, those relationships that aren't anywhere near where they should be. Hopelessness that our world lives in. Depression is at epidemic highs these days. You think in a world that, that has what it needs, in a society that has all that we could ever dream of, you'd think there would be joy and happiness and contentment, and yet depression is at an all-time high. Suicide, drugs, alcohol, things that plague our communities. Like I said, we don't have to look far. And I think we could simply create a list and leave it there, but thankfully that's not the case. There's hope. 
Even in Isaiah's time with death and destruction and impending doom coming to God's people, there was hope. And Isaiah there was speaking of what was yet to come. And the the comforting thing for us is we're living in the here and the now. The time is now. Look at Isaiah 6.13. We read the first half of that verse where it says, even though a tenth remains, even it will be laid waste. But he goes on and he he gives a glimpse, he gives a glimmer, and he says this, but as a terebinth, and this is like a, a cashew nut tree, the terebinth. And the oak leaves stumps when they are cut down, so this holy seed will be in the stump of the land. Just leave that up there for a second. It's, it's this picture of, of this devastated, scorched earth, this, this, this forest that's been devastated by fire, and all that's left is charred ruins, charred ground, and all these stumps. And it's as if God takes the seed from one of those trees and he strategically just plants it in one of those stumps. It was years ago, back in college, where I read this scripture, and for the first time, it was just, I stopped. And I just took it all in. I'm like, oh my goodness. And the picture of, of utter devastation and darkness, and once again, God putting his deposit in and going, let there be light. In this dark place, let there be light. Let there be light. I'm planting my seed in this devastation. And you know what? It's not just going to sit there and do nothing. It is going to make a difference. It's, it's this glint of light. I don't know if you've ever been maybe working in the garage or something, and maybe a car has driven by, and you've just seen this flash of light, and you're like, what was that? Or maybe you've been maybe you've been walking out in the in the in the woods and you've you've heard a, a branch crack or something. It's, what was that? You don't know exactly what it is, but you you know you're not alone. You know something is there. Something is moving. Something is happening. You don't know exactly quite what it is, but you know that you're not alone, and you know that something is active and something is moving. And this is what Isaiah is talking about. He says, something is going on. This is foreshadowing that he's speaking of. He's talking about what is to come. This is stirring, this, this rustling. It's almost like the anticipation of a kid waiting for Christmas morning. It's, it's this anticipation of, of what is coming. There's an excitement. We don't know quite what it is. There's a mystery behind it. But something is coming I love C.S. Lewis's Narnia Chronicles. Love the movies. Love the books. If you haven't read the books, if you haven't seen the movie, you are missing out. You got to do it. That's a Christmas binge watch or a Christmas binge read. But one writer explained it this way in describing C.S. Lewis's famous land of Narnia. This was the, the land that was, was under the curse of the White Witch. It was under winter, and listen to what, what they, they wrote. There's a picture of Aslan, and it says, Winter envelops Narnia. It is always winter and never Christmas, as it has been for longer than anyone can remember. This is the darkness. 
The white witch holds all of the land with an icy grip. The world is cold and gray and miserable. How long has it been since Narnia had any hope? How long has it been since Judah, since Israel, since, since the United States of America, since Decatur, Texas has had any hope? A rumor begins to spread. There's a feeling in the air. Something has changed. It's not a visible change. The, the world is still bleak as it has been for ages, yet something is different. Hearts quicken. Souls stir. A presence that has been absent for so long is back. And hope rekindles. It's a faint hope. A hope built on desperate longing. A hope that is fragile and at risk of blowing away in the icy winds of the accursed winter. Yet the good animals and creatures of Narnia can feel it. They know Aslan is on the move. The lion. We sung that song. Then came the morning. Sealed the promise. His body began to breathe. There's this, this foreshadowing of what's coming. It's a, a, a glimpse. It's a, it's a flash of light. It's, it's, it's not yet. And this is what Isaiah talks about. Here in the depths of winter, in the depths of darkness, God paints this prophetic picture for his people. And there's a stirring. Light is coming. Hold on. Wait. Anticipate. It's coming. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. Love it. Familiar part of scripture. But in the context of, of where we've been in Isaiah's prophetic word, we, we have this context of what this light means when it arrives. He says, nevertheless, Isaiah 9 verse 1, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. There's a proclamation. No more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness, the people walking in despair, the people wandering around aimlessly have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Anyone need some more joy? They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. There's a celebration. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you, will, you have shattered the yoke and that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. We're going to talk about that more next week. The breaking of the bonds of the, and the bondage of the enemy. Verse 5, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment ro ro rolled in blood sorry, will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. These familiar verses, for to us a child is born. You think this is, this is Isaiah talking to a nation whose king is corrupt and has just died. And they're going further and deeper into darkness. And he's talking about a baby. 
Yet he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This isn't a one-time passing thing. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. Did you catch verse 1? It said there will be no more gloom. Anyone here need more, no more gloom in their life? Come on, come Jesus. No more gloom. The people, in, the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. And I want, to think, I want you to think of your world, the gloom that you experience, the despair, the darkness. And then I want you to expand that, that, that sphere, that, that, that circle and the people you come in contact with in our community and the gloom and the despair and the hopelessness and the helplessness and the, and the depression that's going on. And think about that the people walking in darkness will see the light. And for Isaiah, like I said before, this was something that was far off. But for us, the time is now. It's here. We don't have to wait for it. Jesus came. He was born. He lived. He died on a cross. He paid the price for us. And he rose again. And today, he is alive. He is living. And he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And every bit of darkness that ever was. See, crossroads for us, this, this time is now. You see, in, in Isaiah's day, this was a hope. This was a, a hope for a, a check mark of victory. A, a, a notch in the wind column. And in fact, it was a hope for a pushing back of the oppressor. You think even of in Jesus' time. That's what it was. It was a hope for a win. It was a hope for a, a pushing back. You think of even the disciples around Jesus. Hey, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, when you come and take up your throne, I want to be on your right and I want to be on your left. And, and let's, let's do this together. And let's knock these, these Romans in the teeth and let's just push them back and let's, let's have our own little happy place here. Even for them, the, the concept was, okay, let's just push back. Let's get some room. And the, the, the picture that comes to mind is when I was a little kid, my mom would make me wear these, like these, these turtleneck, these polyester, itchy turtleneck sweaters, you know, and you're just wanting a little bit of freedom. Just a little bit of, just pull this back a little bit just so I can breathe, so I don't get hives on my neck and be scratching, because, you know, just give me some relief. This is the idea, this is the picture that we have of Isaiah's time and of Jesus' time. And this is, oh, would you just kind of push it back? Maybe even, even in your life today, you're asking for a little bit of relief, just a little bit of room, Lord. Just would you move it out of, no. Can I tell you, Christ came not just to give you a little bit of wiggle room. He came to defeat the darkness in your life. He came to say no to it. He said he wants to shine his light in your life and destroy darkness. And you know what? It's not just for the holy huddled in this room. It's for our community. It's for that lady who showed up on a Tuesday and thinking that what she needed was food, a, a, a roof over her head, and a bus ticket to the Midwest. You know what? My prayer is that what she got here was the light and love of Jesus Christ. 
My prayer is that on, when she meets some, some Christ followers up in, in Midwest, that's what she's going to find as well. And you know what? There's probably somebody up in the Midwest today who's at a church today and saying, I just need to get back to Texas. I don't know what's down there. I don't know when. And they're going to show up on our doorstep this week. Will the light and love of Jesus Christ shine or won't it? Do we believe that what Christ came to do was to defeat darkness? Or don't we? And if we do, then let's live like it. Uh, worship team, why don't you come up and join me? I'm going to wrap up here. Thank God that he didn't just come to push back darkness. He came to defeat it. Darkness is defeated. When Jesus came as a baby in a manger, born to a virgin named Mary and, and her fiancé named Joseph, there was a new ruler. There was a new reality. People were set free. Darkness was gone. Sins forgiven. Freedom, joy, victory, eternal life. So just a quick story as we wrap up. In John chapter, sorry, in Luke chapter eight, story of Jesus in a boat coming across the Sea of Galilee, and when he lands on the other side says that there was a man um, who'd been possessed by demons for a number of years. So much so that he was uh, um, without clothes and living in a cave and uh, everyone knew of that notorious man who lived up in the, in the caves where dead people were buried, where bones were spread. And who knows what he did or what was going on. Everyone was afraid of him. And when Jesus comes on shore, he's confronted with this demon-possessed man. Darkness personified. And hopefully you know the story, but as the story goes, Jesus casts the demons out of this man. They go into a pig's, the pig's... They don't want the demons either, so they jump off the, the cliff and into the, into the water and they die. But the point of the story is that when Jesus came in contact with darkness, darkness flee. Darkness was gone. So much so that everyone in the area says heard what had gone on. They knew this man, he was notorious. This was darkness personified. And they, they, they came scrambling, running. They, they needed to see what was going on. It says that when they saw him, when they came and saw the man, he was sitting with Jesus. And I love these words. It says clothed and in his right mind. You know, darkness does things to us. Darkness does things to our community. So often, I don't know how many times I've, I've just asked myself, why has this happened? Why has this evil, why is this person acting this way? Well, the, it says the enemy comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And when darkness comes in, we're not in our right minds. The people of this world are not in their right minds. But you hope you notice in that story that it's not a hopeless situation. That when the light of Jesus Christ comes in, things change. Darkness flees, the light of Christ comes, and it says the man was there fully clothed in his right mind. 
Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, oh, you know what? No, he says they'll never walk in darkness. They'll have the light of life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we invite your Holy Spirit, the light of your Holy Spirit to come and illuminate our hearts today. Jesus, come and be the Lord of all, all of those areas, all of those nooks and crannies, all the kingdoms of my heart today. Lord, those areas that I'm shielding from your light, I pray that you'd remove those those barriers and come in and expose and, and bring healing and bring peace and bring freedom to each one of us here today. Lord, guaranteed every single one of us is struggling with something, some way, shape, or form. Whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, relational. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to come. Chase away darkness today in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that this season here in Decatur would be a season where your light shines bright. And where we walk, the places where we step, the people we come in contact with, Lord, I pray that we would have opportunity to bring the light of Jesus Christ with us wherever we go. We love you, Lord. We thank you for coming, setting us free, proclaiming victory for the captives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. And our altar team will be here at the front. And hear me, I want us to be intentional here. We want to invite you for, uh, to come forward for ministry. Here's a couple of things. One is if you need just a, there's an area of your life that you need the light of Jesus Christ to come and make a difference physically, mentally, emotionally, you name it, whatever it is, I want you to step out and come for prayer. Just receive ministry that the light of Jesus Christ is shining on you. Here's another intentional prayer that I want you to make and we can pray with you about this is Lord, I want my life be evidence of your light in this community this week. And I can't do it without you. I need to be empowered by your Holy Spirit today. If that's your prayer as well, I invite you to come and receive some ministry as well. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Come as we sing, okay?